Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. In this particular episode of the Four Center podcast feed is the Clone Wars report. <laughs> Every week, a different musical introduction from Ken Napsok. Uh, this week, we got some nice uh, horns followed by some drums, and it really sounded uh, like a royal was entering the court and then uh, an yeah. errant drum beat that somebody wasn't supposed to hit. 
it sounded like a little bit like a hear ye, hear ye, which is okay. I'm running out of news cues. I have to look them. <laughs> yeah, if you could just like find specific broadcasts and like master like ABC's breaking news from exactly 1978, you know, <laughs> yes. that's exactly what this uh, this podcast needs is entirely precise uh, news sounds. Anyway, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, the, the person with the music in their mouth is Ken Napsock. Uh, I got the music in my mouth and my heart my soul. <laughs> music all over the place. It's got to come out. Uh, we are excited, as always, to discuss the Clone Wars animated series. Uh, this week, we are diving into Season 3, Episode 3, Sphere of Influence. It is written by Katie Lucas and Stephen Melching. And it is directed by Kyle Dunleavy. I've been looking forward to getting to this one because I always remember different things about it and then i say to myself those things can't all be in one episode and yet ken they are yeah it's a lot it's a lot it's a it's a very screwy episode a very fun episode so let's uh, dive into the summary and then we can dive into talking about it here is the summary of sphere of influence turmoil has engulfed the galactic republic the pantoran government is in debt Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the Greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to and from the moon of Pantora. If that sounds familiar to you, Padme Amidala agrees. Once again, the Galactic Senate is slow to resolve the matter, and the Pantoran people are approached by the Separatists. If they join, the blockade will end. In a brazen attempt to break the will of the Pantoran people, bounty hunter Greedo is hired to kidnap the daughters of Pantora's political leader, Chairman Baron Papanoida. Fearing no one will respond in time, Senator Rio Chuchi and Baron Papanoida take matters into their own hands. Rio Chuchi teams up with Ahsoka Tano and rescues Chi Ekwe from a Trade Federation ship. Papanoida and his son Ion track Greedo to Jabba's palace, then Chalman's cantina and rescue Che Amanwe. Using both blasters and political leverage, the Pantorans successfully force Nemodian Senator Lot Dodd to end the blockade and admit that Separatists continue to manipulate the business dealings of the Trade Federation. Lot Dodd saves face, but Rio and Papanoida have saved Pantora for now. Bum, bum, bum. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of syllables. There's a, there's a lot of names. Uh, I forgot to reread this one. Uh, I prepped for this yeah. episode several days ago. And then as I was reading it, yeah. I was like, these are a lot of names that I need to be prepared to try to say correctly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes when we do our notes affects uh, the pinpoint accuracy of our insights into the episodes. <laughs> like one of my notes just reads, I like. I don't know what I wrote. I just, <laughs> uh, maybe cereal. Maybe you're just writing down something else. Ken likes. <laughs> beef jerky so, ken yeah. likes ken likes ken does <laughs> well let's talk about whether or not we liked sphere of influence what was your big picture overall reaction did you love it like it struggle with it is it better or worse than beef jerky what do you think i i i absolutely love it i've, I've always loved it. it it's it's you know baron Papanoida is just it's a it's it's fun to me i enjoy the cameo i enjoy the family i enjoy the lucas family being in and around star wars uh and many things i, I have no problem with that so and i and I, I gotta tell you i forgot i i just forgot katie lucas has got a big writing credit on this episode which makes perfect sense um hey you want to write your dad <laughs> star and wars. yourself a little yeah uh, yeah 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 absolutely oh absolutely um so i love that um this episode i i had foggy memories of some of it um, so I went into it going, oh, sphere of influence. We got some politics coming. Let me get my uh, politics kind of gloves on my Star Wars uh, politics goggles. And that's that's there. But also, oh, yeah, I forgot. There's a shootout. <laughs> There's some craziness. <laughs> um, 
Uh, you like you said, a lot going on. It is uh, it is its own kind of episode. So I enjoyed the journey. I really did. I really enjoyed the journey. Yeah, yeah. I really in, enjoyed it as well, especially watching it in the, this whole uh, rewatch that we're doing of Clone Wars and kind of putting it uh, in its place uh, chronologically and thematically. Uh, but it is a wild one, you know. Um, the couple things that I really liked about it is that it's another episode that is taking the time that we're really seeing as we rewatch all the Clone Wars to show that the crisis of the Clone Wars is uh, this massive galactic crisis. And it's not just about uh, the war. It's about all of the ramifications of the war and all the crisis and the famine and the pain uh, that it causes on, you know, not just a galactic scale, but then on these individual planets as well. And this is yet another episode that really highlights that. Um, so I really enjoyed that for how, how it tells the big picture story of the Clone Wars. And then the other thing for me is that, you know, there've been a lot of great moments where Filoni has, has told different stories of working with uh, Lucas, where Filoni has described kind of wanting to treat something from Star Wars with real uh, reverence and, you know, treat it like a museum yeah. piece of like, if we're going to show Dejeric, we need to, you know, show it reverence. And Lucas being like, it's a toy, play with it. <laughs> you know, don't you you can't hold it too sacred or it will lose its sense of uh, fun and whimsy right. and adventure. Um, and this is an episode that is just, uh, you know, it takes all sorts of different toys out of the toy box and mm. and throws them together. It's like, yo, Lucas and his family uh, had done cameos. So let's make the in Revenge of the Sith. So uh, let's make those entire characters. Let's animate uh, George Lucas and uh, paint him blue. <laughs> let's make yeah. George Lucas a Smurf and make him the star of this episode. And while we're at it, he will be both uh, almost Jedi-like level of uh, wisdom and a complete badass with dual blasters. It's it just like, it's not yeah. just let's turn this background character, Baron Papanoida, into a thoughtful politician. He's like this mm -hmm. a wise ass-kicking uh, patriarch. Uh, and that's not yeah. that's not wild enough. We have to revisit the character of Greedo, Jabba's Palace, <laughs> and, and Chalman's Cantina, or whoever's Cantina, yeah. whoever owns it at the time. Right. Um, yeah, it's just it's so wild. It's such an episode of Clone Wars that says a part of Star Wars is having great respect and reverence for the the mythology and the themes that underpin Star Wars, which this episode, I think, is really yeah. respectful of. But on the other hand, it is a bunch of action figures and we're going to play with them and we don't care. They're taking that Lucas family four pack or three pack out of the box for sure here. And I think there was a little bit with uh, most of this episode being a little foggy in my brain. I, I the title, the sphere, sphere of influences of, it, you know, it's political intrigue to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we're we're like, ooh, let's let's roll up sleeves. And then the moral pops up, which we're going to talk about in a second. I went, oh, man. Yes. Yeah, oh, God, there's there's. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. There's a, this is, this is fun. So, 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 uh, I think you're exactly right. I think, I think, uh, you know, George and star Wars being an actual character, this is the right way to handle it. You could have just sat him on a, at a desk and had him, uh, you know, um, monologue about the, the politics of the era, but no, it's, it's put two, put two blasters. In yeah. It. I mean, it could have been a story where, uh, Baron Papanoida is, is directing things, um, you know, much yeah. like George Lucas and, and saying, Hey, my son, Ion, you go handle things, but no, he's active, which, which I think is fun. And I think kind of a, important to illustrate some of his, uh, his ideas, uh, the ideas of, of star Wars. 
Uh, my other note that I had made because I wanted to make sure to say it, and I so I just put it at the top is Greedo's eyes are so cool. <laughs> yes, they I are. I just yes. love that a whole galaxy in his eyes is just so cool. Yeah, well, you said it. it made me think of uh, uh, Men in Black, the first one, where the you know the galaxies in the in the in Cat uh, Orion's uh, belt, and you just go in on it and like whoa! I just I feel like <laughs> I felt like Lin- Fiorentino looking into it in the morgue, just whoa! <laughs> yes, you saying whoa? Like I I I, uh, I can imagine people enjoying an edible and just staring into Greedo's eyes, whatever the Star Wars yeah. version of an edible is. Don't move! Don't move! <laughs> All right, let's dive into the moral of the episode. The moral is a child stolen is a hope lost. Uh, what did that one mean to you? How did it hit you? Uh, a little bit of a record scratch because you and I uh, have, um, I think we have a lot of fun and, and we always talk about just sometimes these morals are, yep, that's the one. And I think this has a little bit, first again, coming, I forgot this was the moral. So it was like politics. Oh, wait, action. Orse is also politics. Oh, God. And and so I sometimes have fun taking big swings and what these morals mean. So I think there's obviously some literal uh, nature in this. And then you're getting into kidnapping. Eh, fun, whimsy, Star Wars <laughs> topic. Uh, so there's that. But I, I, I went in the direction of, is this a little bit about a loss of innocence? Uh, and this is also a loss of innocence for the galaxy. You got Padme in front of you who... Uh, was a, a you know a fourteen year old queen and, and and went into that knowing and willingly and that's how it works in Naboo and and not saying she needed to you know just uh, play uh, you know video games in a room d- during those years she was a powerful queen but like she had a, with the blockade she grows up and and the hope the hope uh, that a lot of these characters have for the galaxy could easily be lost with a lot of these things and so I took it in that kind of uh, you know uh, metaphysical meta you know. Uh, but a philosophical way, sir. Yeah, yeah. I thought this one was a. It was very interesting because it is uh, not the kind of thing that you're going to stitch on a throw pillow, and unless you have a <laughs> a very odd collection of throw pillows, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. Part of it is just yeah, it's literal. This uh, episode is about kidnapping an adult child. Um, but yeah. it on the more uh, philosophical end for me, it, it really is something that reinforces that the idea of legacy. The idea of passing on what you know to the next generation, the idea that we're not all just connected, those of us who are literally physically living together now on the planet, uh, in the galaxy, but that there's this lineage uh, that connects people through time that, you know, big themes of that in Rise of Skywalker, right? A thousand generations that live in you, you know, Um, Mm, and I, I think for me, it's a little bit of that uh just that sort of feeling of the idea of a child stolen is a hope lost is about how important obviously children are important to us uh, and we don't want them kidnapped it's very practical but philosophically that idea of uh that children are legacy and that is a Mm -hmm. good and powerful and true thing yeah to focus on it and and protecting their hope uh, for the future for themselves uh, is uh, is an important thing. Yeah, and I, even if the the galaxy is a mess in our hands, uh, maybe it won't be in the next generation's hands. is uh, is a good yeah. one with with hope lost. So uh, let's get into the big uh, big themes, the big ideas. What did you feel like was uh, truly at stake in this episode? Yeah, yeah. There's um, I, I looked at some of the key moments early on, uh, and and how. I'm trying to summarize it as uh, I put politics are actions and actions are, are politics. There's a, a great moment where the, um, oh gosh, I didn't, what's the trade federation guy? It's cause it's, uh, it's not lot dot. It's the other guy. 
Slut God is the senator, uh, and then the character who ends up uh, taking the fall and taking the blame. I am scrolling down to try to find uh, the character's name. Sib Canny? Sib Sib Canny. Sib Canny. Yeah, but it's Slut God at the beginning that that denies uh, being a separatist, right? Yes. uh, Ken did his notes on Sunday, people. It's been a big week. Um, so yes, and there's a and he says, uh, "Hey, just because we work as separatists doesn't mean we, we are them." I'm paraphrasing, of course. And that made me think of just like, I, it made me think of Padme, you know, with Mina Monteri, that that uh, famous episode and everything. And, and I'm like, okay, sure, 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 sure. Just because maybe you know separatists, talk to them, work with them, willing to talk, sell to them, them arms. <laughs> Tell them arms doesn't mean you're aligned with them. Okay, fine. I can play that game. So it will be in your actions. And so everything that the trade federation does proves that statement to be a lie. And it's about uncovering that, which, which to me goes into uh, Baron Papanota is this political figure. He's he's got his uh, representative also. uh, Chuchi is, uh, you know, his political figure, but they take action and the action represents what they believe and what you believe uh, does filter into your politics. Something that's been, uh, you know, uh, more clear to me, be an old stoic soul years and years ago, you know. Uh, so I, I looked at this episode as politics in action, literally with blasters, but in action. <laughs> yeah, no, I was right there with you. I think um, it is interesting that this episode is uh, it's not a repetition of Phantom Menace. I was just like, whoop, we ran out of ideas. It was the same thing is happening 10 years later and the government yeah. has got worse not better and so it really hits on some of these themes that i think are are powerful in the phantom menace uh but it it dials them in uh to to uh, it almost like takes that element of phantom menace uh that theme uh, kind of the the main theme that i think padme is carrying quite gone up to a point too because he's like if there's the organizational rot in the jedi council that it won't uh train anakin then i'll just do it myself um and this is a lot uh, of what's going on here too of i feel like it is organizational rot versus this strong belief that pops up from Star Wars again and again, and, and Lucas in particular, that individuals need to take action uh, if the organization yeah. can't. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I always go back to, you know, this is somebody who who only turned to the studios because he absolutely had to and, you know, uh, took the punishment uh, from the director's guild uh, because they had a silly rule. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, all the things that Irvin Kirshner's credit, uh, if you're not familiar with it, uh, yeah. Google it. Uh, but this is, you know, Lucas as a person, as a human, is somebody who has made many public statements about his own wrestling with feeling like organizations lose their spirit and become yeah. obsessive and controlling and dysfunctional. And, you know, again and again, tries to walk away from them and even takes it so far for himself that he personally makes a documentary <laughs> called Empire of Dreams, where he criticizes himself for having to build a large organization in order to be yeah. independent. Yeah. So, you know, this is this is not me pulling out uh, uh, pulling things out of out of air. This is um, some documented George Lucas adventures. Um, and I really feel like f- felt that I think I would have felt that if it was a different character. But it, I really felt that since it was blue George Lucas oh, <laughs> doing yeah. these things. Um, you're staring into his face. <laughs> you're staring into his face, into his very beard. Um, and and I, the way I saw this play out, a couple just bullet points of the, hey, it's 10 years after The Phantom Menace. Uh, the Trade Federation, in theory, 
is in an even more dubious political spot because, you know, one of their former leaders, Newt Gunray, is explicitly with the separatists. They're in the Senate uh, saying, hey, we're still a corporation that has representation in the Senate. And now we're in the middle of a war and saying, hey, no, we're with the Republic, but come on, we're also a business. So we got to sell to both sides. Um, So there's a lot of, you know, opinions to be had about that situation to begin with. Um, And then we just get the straightforward story, right? That the exact same thing is going to happen. The wheels of democracy are going to move too slow to help Pantora. People are going to uh, starve. They're possibly going to give in to fear and and join the separatists, join Dooku because of this. Uh, So then we get uh, the, the, that, whole idea of that's that's why baron papanoida and his family have to take action uh because it's going to move too slow and then it gets supported even uh, even more ways when we get anika anakin and ahsoka uh deciding to investigate the kidnapping and having this explicit conversation that they're not going to wait for the council's approval we even got that great little exchange of like uh oh yeah we do this all the time don't we snips yep (laughs) Yep. and it's presented as a little fun moment but what it's saying is both the Senate and the Jedi Council are moving too slowly yep. to actually help people. So you have individuals running off and doing it. Uh, and then we even get a, a, a touch of that when we see this uh, Inspector Tandivo, which uh, we right. will meet in a future episode, but in the broadcast order we met earlier. Uh, but the Inspector, another a representation of another organization of the actual uh, police forces of Coruscant, uh, Baron Papanoida doesn't trust that he is going to investigate the kidnapping itself quickly enough. And that that distrust of that organization is actively what makes Baron Papanoida and his son Ion take things into their own hands. And then we even get to see this uh, further repetition where Rio Chuchi is the senator of Pantora, uh, has uh, learned, I think, from her own experiences and from watching people like Padme, of like sometimes the senator just has to roll up their sleeves and get personally involved. And, you know, it's not her, uh, she doesn't pass a bill or, you know, um, give a speech that makes a difference. She literally goes to the Trade Federation's ship, (laughs) catches them in the act, and, you know, has to use her personal sort of adventuring uh, to blackmail them into the Trade Federation, into removing uh, the blockade. And it's very similar to what Padme ended up doing of, like, Okay, well, if the government can't act, then I have to because my main main mission is to make sure my people are safe. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, Chuchi up to put her up there with Satine and Padme, just uh, these uh, young, uh, wonderful leaders in Star Wars uh, getting down on the ground to to take action when needed. Right? Uh, she's not talked about enough, and I know smaller role in the series. I get that. No, I love what you're saying, but also, also just in. Uh, just in uh, uh, state of the galaxy stuff, even outside just the themes, just kind of that kind of fun stuff. Uh, you kind of touched on some things I love about this. Of yeah, you, you know, we're we're ten years later territory, and this is still what's going on, and it's with great purpose. And and I'm I'm thinking of Co Bibble and his it's after four trials <laughs> and all this kind of stuff of just like yeah, and this is where Palpatine's able to use all that, all use those stalemates and those uh, you know snail speed uh, you know committees. And to use it to his advantage and to kind of grind the gears of democracy down uh, down to a to a stop 
Um, I love that uh, that picture as well. Yeah, and I love I love that we see that that's working because it could just be that the Trade Federation, you know, Pandora's in debt and Trade Federation is blockading them, and that could just be sort of a, a criticism of the the cruelty of uh, galactic capitalism. Uh, but then the episode does take it that step farther and has Dooku being like, you know, I could solve this, uh, which really tells that story of the galaxy you know, giving into fear or, or in, in this case, mm-hmm. almost giving into fear of we're not going to be okay unless we, you know, uh, sign a, a deal with the Dooku. <laughs> deal with the Dooku. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm really, really fascinated by that, that Lucas often has these storytelling and I know a lot of other people are involved with it, uh, but uh, uh, he, he's big and blue. So he's on my mind. Um, that, <laughs> It, it for me it isn't it isn't like a just all organizations are bad. It's this real yeah. concern about them being manipulated from inside and having this organizational rot, right? Because because yeah. all these politicians are are painted as heroes, right? Uh, everyone from Padme to Bale to Mon Mothma to Rio Chuchi and the and even um, Satine, right? And they often have their actual victories by shaking something loose and forcing the democracy to work the way it's supposed to. So I don't ever feel like this is for me, like uh, a a perspective that organization is bad. We should all just be on our own. You know, it's that these groups, these systems that we make that are that state that they are there to help all of us can fall apart so easily. And then it's incumbent on us to uh, push them, uh, break the rust off and get the machinery uh, of working together, working again. I yeah no I I'd love to dive in that is because you you put in you're putting the right spin on it it's not even a spin you're putting it's the truth and it's the the positive spin on it since I I can understand if you were a Jedi right now listening to this conversation <laughs> watching these episodes you might be offended you know like, hey, 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 hey I'm a Jedi I, I do good I do good and 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 I think the stories I'm just focusing a little bit on just the Jedi right now for the sake of this conversation of of yeah the the stories you are good we need you how many times do we hear that we need jedi in star wars from from lor santeca uh, working your way back um and i i've always felt that's what george is saying here of it this isn't to, don't be cynical uh, don't 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 throw it all out we we do need these systems as they're designed they're just not working as designed it is like our friend even peel says in volume two of the clone wars <laughs> they the mirror our new favorite <laughs> thing of a lot of these are stories to reflect back on you and that's why you know you joseph scrimshaw the leader of the justice for the jedi <laughs> campaign because we're not throwing them out we're not we're not telling them to get the hell out of the galaxy we need you and we need you to do what you're supposed to do we need you know um I like uh, me, Ken. I love the concept of leaders. I love having faith in leaders. I've been le- a leader in certain situations, and I failed tremendously because the the rock can come from you, <laughs> can come from society. And, and sometimes you have to face that, and you have to be tough. And I, I think an episode like this ties greatly into the big picture of Star Wars. Of of it's not the organizations; it's where they are at the moment that we need to analyze, and we need to keep and never stop analyzing. Yeah, no, I love what you're saying, and I think that's always what I'm thinking about with Justice for the Jedi is to not necessarily apologize for them and or or cover up their mistakes but that they mean well oh, yeah. and they screw up in that in that good intention you know yoda and mace and even kiati mundi who is uh, almost always wrong everything he says <laughs> in the prequel yeah, yeah. films uh is um they're, they're all good jedi they're all well-intentioned 
you know, characters mm-hmm. who have given their life to it. It's just that they, you know, give they give into fear, they give into uh, overthinking things and not acting when they mm-hmm. should act, and all these things mm-hmm. that uh, we get to see. You know, Jedi heroes like uh, Ahsoka and Qui Gon kind of Pokemon. Yeah, well, sorry, yeah, and I love. It. I've been rewatching Attack of the Clones in anticipation of something we're going to be doing soon here on the podcast, and that opening scene of of Padme going, "Hey, some, someone tried to kill me. It ain't right." And everyone in the room is like, no. <laughs> and the Jedi can't face a Dooku. The, the infamous lines of he's a political idealist. All those things you talked so about. It's like, a great delivery from Silas Carson. It's like, it, Padme's like, here is the 100% correct answer that the rest of you will spend the entire film trying to figure out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Padme's yeah. like, no. Yeah. And Padme's like, and I'm paid less than you. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's a thing. It's important to watch and focus on. And, and if the Jedi in that room... And I think eventually they are forced to <laughs> look in the mirror and face the mirror. <laughs> we need an audio <laughs> clip of that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's all it all ties in, and I'll tell you what, it, it's all through this episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, th- this is great to to uh, broaden out from this episode. The other thing for me that I thought was was uh, important in this episode uh, was that there was this this theme of connection too. Of when things are big and organizational, I think the the empathy can kind of fade a little bit right it's a for the senate it's a uh here we go again it's a, a political issue to wade through that there's a blockade on pantora but what shakes it loose by all these individuals going out and taking action are a lot of personal connections right we see uh Bera Papanoida, baron papanoida appeal to java as a fellow father and makes this really personal uh connection we get to see that Padme is really troubled by what's happening because she can so empathize with uh, with Rio Chuchi's exact situation, and and you can imagine mm-hmm. Rio getting inspiration to be like, okay, I got to handle this the way Padme did. Uh, and Ahsoka just explicitly says that she is determined to help and to not wait for permission from the council because she is friends with Rio. So there's like lots of different little moments that really emphasize that that personal connection, that empathy that we have in personal connection uh, matters and can be extended out to, to larger systems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, love that. Uh, yeah. I love, I love the Ahsoka uh, Rio Chichi connection friendship. There yeah. Too. And it's a good little, the, the good little sub adventure, not even sub adventure. It's yeah. half the episode. <laughs> How is yeah. this episode only like 20 ish minutes again, 24, 25 minutes. Uh, no, you're right. Uh, you know, I also wanted to submit this one as a theme. Um, I have joking. I don't have much to support it. I also think this episode is about state versus federal because Anakin goes, eh, that's for local police. <laughs> there is definitely, speaking of uh, one of our other favorite words, hubris, th- that's definitely that mm-hmm. moment where, you know, like, Anakin, you know, part of his fall is that he wants more power, uh, but he's always a little full of himself, right? Like, go back to your drinks, Jedi business, and you're going to pay for all the Jedi you killed. Like, Anakin really has an attitude that Jedi have platinum cards and other people don't. Yeah. Like, there's there's definitely some, like, just straight up uh, classism from Anakin. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cops, not Jedi. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, we've definitely expanded out and talked about uh, how this episode uh, speaks to other themes and morality and perspective of Star Wars. But do you have uh, other thoughts there? I, I yeah, just one to submit, and this maybe it boils it all down. And that's sometimes how I process things. But I looked at this episode. Um, you've highlighted individually. I think every every character that does this, and it, it's standing up for what is right. 
And a lot of the action, talk about politics, action, action is politics, but a lot of this action, this pew, 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 and the double blasters, which are cool, we're going to talk about, um, it's all to me to serve some point, to standing up for what is really right and maybe doing the, you know, that's part of the true purpose of, of your existence out there in this galaxy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, a, a couple couple other big picture things. Um, I did want to highlight the the title, Sphere of Influence, right? Um, for yeah. me, it was just kind of fascinating because uh, Sphere of Influence uh, can just sound like a, a pulp adventure serial title. Maybe not the most exciting, but right, you know, Attack the Clones, Sphere of Influence. Um, but it just kind of demonstrates the, I think, one of the great um, tensions, dualities in Star Wars, that it is this adventure serial that has its mind on uh, mythology and on uh, uh, sort of didactic storytelling of, of uh, tackling real world issues. Um, and uh, I, I looked up the actual definition of sphere of influence in our uh, real world and read it real quick here. Uh, in the field of international relations, a sphere of influence is a spatial region of concept or concept uh, division over which a state or organization has a level of cultural, economic, military, or political exclusivity. Uh, while there may be a formal alliance or other treaty obligations between the influenced and the influencer, such formal arrangements are not necessary, and the influence can often be more an ex- of an example of soft power. Similarly, a formal uh, alliance does not necessarily mean that one country lies within another sphere of influence. High levels of exclusivity have historically been associated with higher levels of conflict. Uh, so th- I was just really struck by, um, you know, uh, reconnecting to something I'm sure I read about in, in college, but mm-hmm. that sphere of influence on one hand <laughs> can yeah. sound like a fun pulpy title, but its place in this episode, why is this called sphere of influences? Uh, to me, it really is about that. Uh, one group of people trying to get dominance, trying to get a sphere of influence over, over another people uh, or group, whether it is explicit or whether it's this Mm -hmm. example of soft power, you know, and for me, I think, you know, the trade federation has specific rules and specific treaties, but they're this soft power. They're, they're allowed to do things as a corporation that are, are allowing them to have power over, Mm -hmm. You know, uh, they don't uh, control Pantora, but they're acting like they do, you know, and their invasion of Naboo was was an attempt to actually take over the planet and get Padme to sign that treaty. So it's legal so that they actually do uh, have total control over it. So for me, I just thought it was worth uh, taking a moment uh, to highlight that uh, the Clone Wars in particular, we're going to be getting to a couple of those episodes uh, is absolutely about the lightsabers and the space fantasy, and it's about the the myth and the uh, you know what what is a hero, what is the chosen one, what is the hero's journey. But it is also really really interested in uh, big world, uh, big real world political stuff. Oh, hundred percent. And, and um, this is also uh, around the time of my college career that I left to go get a job in radio, which is why sometimes. Uh... <laughs> So I was like, I didn't, I didn't listen to that in college. So I'm glad you brought that up because it's, uh, it's, uh, it's the double meaning there, and the, and the truth behind it all. So good stuff. Awesome. Sir. Good research. Awesome. Good research. A plus on your paper. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I do. I, I want a Clone Wars uh, uh, honorary degree when we're done with this, Ken. Look, man, I got a friend in a local college here in LA, and I have jokingly talked about, hey, could could you could you set up a Star Wars class? 
Joseph Scrimshaw teaches the Clone Wars, I can make that happen. All right. Well, let's talk. We'll talk off air. Here's my last uh, big picture theme, and I'm, I'm not sure if I actually believe it, so I wanted to run it past you and see what you think. I think it is a possibility that a large uh, portion of this episode is uh, devoted to the desire to show that Greedo is awful and deserved to be shot by Han Solo. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I I noted uh, later on, we could talk about it in Lore Connections, but great to bring it up here. I said, this episode is literally George versus Greedo. <laughs> It is the T-shirt. It is everything about it. So, yes, I am there with you on it. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Uh, you know, I watched the behind-the-scenes thing with the Filoni. Uh, you know, he, he talked about uh, the weirdness of animating his boss. Didn't really say mm-hmm. whether this was George's idea or other people's like, come on, George, let's do a whole episode about your character. But it was just really amazing after the endless amount of debate about Lucas in the special edition is changing it to you know, Greedo shot first. No, now they both shoot at the same time. And a thing that fans still reckon with that Lucas himself is in an episode uh, that totally paints Greedo as a bad guy. And he's like, is this is this an attempt to make Lucas himself say feel better about having Han kill Greedo? <laughs> uh, I, I hope. First of all, I want an updated version of this where Baron Papanoide pulls out the blasters and yells McClunky. <laughs> Just be all full circle. But I got to wonder, too. I'd, I'd love a little bit. And I, I did. I think, you know, we always watch the featurettes with Filoni explaining things. And sometimes it's tremendously insightful. And sometimes he's just being cheeky and having fun. And this was a little bit more on the cheeky mm-hmm. side, I thought. Great details about the canteen and stuff. But um, I would love to know that story of uh, did they have to, like, slip this past George away or kind of almost get it all done and be like, hey, what do you think? Because I almost can feel the George would just laugh and be like, that's stupid. No one's going to want to watch my character or, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Fine. Put me in. Like, I, I would love to know those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, maybe, maybe those interviews are out there. We'll dig them up. But for now we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to get into all of the delightful moments, the action, uh, the comedy, the canon connections, all that great stuff in just a moment. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138 and we are back to this uh, finish our discussion of sphere of influence i'm so excited to talk about all the action and comedy moments that i am getting uh, my syllables in front of one another we're here to talk sphere of influence ken did you have a favorite action moment well, I did. I think uh, the first one I listed uh, was Ahsoka's force float of Senator reaction. <laughs> I love this one. I want to see this more. It's, it's like a force power used for good, you know, not destruction. It's knowledge and defense. Yeah. I love that more. No, I really love that. It was the, the force sneak, right? Uh, and yeah. I think part of what I loved about it is uh, sometimes when you're watching – uh, force powers it can look kind of effortless like a quick push right looks effortless yeah but the way that you know ahsoka herself was you know hanging there and keeping uh rio just totally floating totally silent um mm-hmm. it, it, i could feel mm-hmm. the strain i was like damn ahsoka good job i felt that one in my arm yeah yeah uh, absolutely 
Good stuff from Ahsoka. Uh, so more action moments for you besides the uh, the awesome Ahsoka float. Well, I'm sticking with Ahsoka here until we. I I, th- I feel we have the main event coming here. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah. I uh, there's a great moment she drops down between the super battle droids and she just slices them up. So there, you know, uh, you know, I would still say defense and knowledge. She needs to learn how the droids fall apart. Um, but I just love it. It is kind of a little hero's moment that uh, I think she uh, Ahsoka deserves, man. She's got skills uh, and they're multiplying. They're electrifying. <laughs> and they slice through all those droids. And I, I had a, a little fist pump. Yeah, it's a great moment because it is really it's sort of a shot to be impressive. Right. And almost for us to see it through uh, through Rio Chuchi's eyes of like, oh, wow, look what a, what a trained Jedi can do. But I like that it also doesn't solve the problem. And it's like a moment where that's not going to solve the problem. And then like all those new Nemodian guards come and, you know, maybe they're overwhelming Ahsoka. But I also got the vibe of like Ahsoka's like, well, I can't just chop them to bits. <laughs> and, then, yeah, no, I, well, and then Rio's yeah. got to step up and actually solve the problem, you know, politically. I Well, yes. Um, I think it's important to note that. I, I think in... in yeah, sorry. I, I you know I almost start it turns me into a finger wagger, but I'm just like, yeah, it's so cool. Watch the full context of everything, and and, and the Jedi don't stop there and 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 uh, get the whole story. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, it'll it'll turn into me uh, going watch Star Wars better, and that's not what I mean. <laughs> but that's not what I mean. That's not what. But I mean. it's a fun moment because it's not underlined in any way, and who knows? Maybe they just didn't want to animate 15 more uh, Nemodian guards, or they couldn't. But it really feels yeah. like. He, you just took about all those battle droids. You could take the hands off of all those Nemodian guards, but she really just chooses not to. Yeah, that's, that's cool. All right. Uh, I got one moment before I think we get to the main event. Uh, yeah. And it is the first moment where you realize Baron Papanoida is not just uh, wise, but prepared to defend himself where he, <laughs> he whips out a knife. And I'm sure it's a vibro knife because it's in Star Wars. But uh, from my perspective, it's just a big effing knife. Yeah, and he whips it out with great dexterity and puts it to Greedo's throat. And just the the, the image of blue George Lucas with a knife to Greedo's throat is a hell of a thing. Almost as if George is like, "You caused me so much problems. <laughs> I did it to myself. You caused me so many problems." Yeah, I would kill you if Han wasn't going to do it later. <laughs> uh, so that was the only other action beat for me before we, I think when we get to the to the big yeah. moment. So uh, why don't you take me through your reaction to what you think the big moment is? Look, it's it's uh it's it's family Papanoida, but I, I want to f- specifically focus on or at least start the conversation with Chairman Pap, as I call him, the double blaster action, going to the cantina, <laughs> firing like a true cowboy. Uh, he's uh you know he 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 shot first, Ed second, and tenth, ninth, and fifteenth. He's going to get the job done, and it is uh it is both wonderfully silly. It's silly. It's George Lucas in his cameo appearance blasting up the cantina. It's absolutely silly, and I love it, but I love watching it, and I love just uh, he is the creator. Whether on those days that he's, uh, uh, you know, ah, don't worry about it, those days where he's like, yeah, it's mine, um, we know he has those on both sides, and I just love seeing it. It's it's really just uh, just awesome, and it's bombastic, and it's bold, and it's fun and silly, and that's Star Wars to me. Yeah, it is so great on so many levels. For me, it works on the, the you know, reflections of the big themes that we were talking about of, you know, uh, wisdom is necessary. Um, you should avoid violence at, at all costs, but also individuals need to take action and you need to be able to, to defend yourself. And in this instance, you know, you know, a father going to, to save his child uh, all feels very justifiable, I think, from most people's perspective. Uh, so it works on these thematic levels. But then, yes, it is. 
It is blue George Lucas having a bar fight in a tavern. You know, it's so it's the the table flip <laughs> for cover yeah. and then the pop out. Right. Like the only way it could have been heightened is if he had done a slow mo leap while also firing double blasters. Right. I mean, this is just like yep. total uh, hot fuzz bad boys, too. <laughs> this is just so like over the top action. It's beautiful. Yeah, um, I got to tell you, this is uh, this is the the episode of Databank Brawl we didn't need to do because it was already done. <laughs> yes, yeah, I think we did an episode probably. I, I don't even remember anymore. Um, so. so yeah, it's great that that uh, Baron uh, Chairman Baron Papanoida is blasting up the place with two blasters, uh, but then the family joins in, right? And it's a real like the family that blasts together stays together. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's blasting including that you know last shot uh from the daughter yeah yeah right 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 amanda right uh in real life y- uh, no. yes i think so uh the actual character is uh yeah she amanwe so amanda yeah. makes sense yeah right right yeah yeah that's her name yeah uh but yeah I, uh, yeah i don't uh i think the in the action figure pack i looked up uh she plays a character tier to neil i believe but that's anyway, right. in in the right. context of the scene, it is the Papanoida family uh, blasting yeah. things <laughs> all <Yeah>. up. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on that? Any other action uh, moments? Uh, no, other than uh, again, it's just uh, the the full spectrum of, of of purpose and 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 point in this story of, of again going back to the theme politics and action, standing up for what's right, and and sometimes that means some downright fun pew 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 action, but always keep the big picture in mind. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's move on then to moments of comedy, whimsy, and weirdness. So I gotta admit, I I think there's a lot through this episode. Love to hear what you got. I wrote one little, I wrote one big one. Um, and it's, and it, it's Anakin going, well, that blockade wasn't all that bad. I'm like, shut up, Annie. Just, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I just walk away from you. Oh, the, the, his, uh, basically his implication yeah. that like the, uh, horrible blockade and invasion of your, uh, home was our meat cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, I get it. I get it. I get it. But I, yeah, I was like, Anakin, come on. Totally. Totally. Awesome. Just, I yeah. Anyways, sorry. I love it. it was fun. I mean, I literally love, love the moment, but I did maybe it's, it's a little, again, rewatching attack of the clones. There's so many times where, and I, and I think it's somewhat intentional, but just sometimes with Anakin, you're like, Oh, Aunt, no, Anakin, no, don't say that. Yeah, don't no, I, I totally, totally agree. Uh, I'm going to interject quickly. Cause, uh, cause w- w- while we were talking, I was looking up, uh, Amanda Lucas and like, yes, she, uh, yeah. she plays a character, uh, terror to Neil, uh, uh, in uh, Revenge of the Sith, but then it also says uh, that she uh, was indeed the inspiration for Che Amanwe uh, Papanoida, and that she has since gone on to participate in mixed martial arts. <laughs> yes, yes, she's an MMA fighter. Uh, yes, it's uh, that family doing. Okay, things. good. So that really makes sense that she, she fired the last shot in the cantina. Um. All right. So uh, moments of uh, comedy and whimsy. Uh, what, what else you got? Um, I, 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 I failed to write down anymore because I think that the whole cantina fight is whimsy. <laughs> I think there's, I think the, the, uh, um, the interaction with, with Greedo and just, I love the re contextualizing, uh, Greedo This goes to the deleted stuff from Phantom Menace of just, he is a, you know, a Rodian son of Tatooine who just can't get a win. 
Uh, and again, I, I'm not not saying that with sympathy for him. You know, he, he continues to you know confound his problems and make worse mistakes over and over again, including some of the great stuff in the from a certain point of view, um, Cantina stuff uh, and, and that in that book. If you haven't read it, check it out. So I just love the overall just kind of weirdness of the uh, pathetic nature of Greedo. <laughs> yes, we will uh, we'll revisit that when uh, uh, when we get to the uh, the canon discussion there for me. Um, Couple of moments of comedy and, and weirdness. Uh, I love uh, the use of the uh, goatal species uh, that are just uh, straight up goat people, um, and yeah. they always have the weird goat voices, um, like they're in Three Billy Goats Gruff. Uh, but I really liked early on when the goatal bounty hunter was working with Greedo to kidnap mm. uh, the Papanoida sisters. The goatal cackling in the dark was uh, kind of scary, but also really funny when I just heard the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, with with the the, the goatles, as am I saying that right? The goatles. Um, anytime I get on my, I don't like Jackson High Horse. It's a character like this that I'm like, you know, maybe Jackson really does belong. <laughs> Kevin Scott. Yep, uh, an, animal people everywhere in Star Wars. Um, <laughs> I did like, and I think this was a maybe a, a little bit of pushback to to Anakin's weird uh, meet cute moment uh, when. Anakin's talking about he's going to cover for Ahsoka. She goes off to investigate without the council's knowledge or approval. And Padme says to Anakin, I still can't believe they let you teach. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Yes. Good. It is a very good one. Uh, Another one that made me laugh is uh, when Baron Papanoida is uh, entering Jabba's palace. He says, we'll have to get a feel for the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Tough crowd. It's like, yeah, I I think that's going to happen, happen pretty quick, Baron. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it, it, it bears out right that he he uh, knows uh, who who to talk to and what uh, what to whisper in their ear. You can read a room. I you know I once did stand up in a Corona biker bar, and you know I, I said the same thing as we walked in. It didn't turn out as well. <laughs> yes, I did one open mic in the valley where uh, I needed to leave uh, quickly. <laughs> <laughs> These things happen. Uh, last one for me is the uh, cantina bartender. I love that beat where uh, they grab the bottle and duck like before the violence. Yeah. It's before the violence starts, but that bartender knows. Oh boy, this is going to be a rough afternoon. Not again. <laughs> yeah, great moment. Uh, so let's get on to uh, canon and lore and connections to other stories. Uh, what did you have here? Is there's a lot going on? There's a lot going on. Much to to list. We can maybe come back to Lucas versus Greedo. We've already touched upon it, but I, I just I I couldn't uh, stop laughing at just that. It's just the overall picture of well, George. We're going to put your character in Star Wars, and we're, we're going to face him off against Greedo. Like, oh, guys, you're fired. Um, love it. Um, but also, I got to say, the appearance of Rada, Stinky, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I the Punky Muffin, Punky Muffin. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I uh, I kind of like it, and and. and We've talked about the Jabba and Jabba being a kind of a popular character in his own right. A little bit of the cult of Jabba sometimes springs up around this criminal underworld gangster. Uh, but I'm fascinated, too. And I, I have some Rada questions going forward in Star Wars canon. I want to know where Rada is, but I just love seeing him there and, and um, appealing to that side of Jabba is uh, is interesting. And it worked for me in, in a way in this episode. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed seeing Rada because it was, uh, it was, you know, uh, canon continuity, but it was also making that point, making that connection. And, you know, this could not have been planned at the time, but it's a little bit of retroactive uh, connection that it was fun. There's something very Grogu like about the way Rada doesn't want anything but to eat that bug. 
Yes, yes. <laughs> I was like, why is this familiar? Oh, it's it's Grogu. Uh, so that was very fun uh, to see old Punky Muffin, Stinky. Um, yeah. yeah, so some of the stuff is is just so uh, straightforward. Baron Papanoida and uh, Chiekwe, who were literally in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, the setup being very similar to Phantom Menace, I think really we talked a lot about and has a point. Yeah. Um, Lot Dodd at one point cites the Commerce Treaty of 1647, and it was weird yeah. to hear a real like Earth sound in year yep. in Star Wars. Yep. Uh, but also just great backstory that like they do have lots of different rules uh, that have probably been uh, amended and loopholed uh, to get the Trade yeah. Federation where it is. Mm. Uh, I also really appreciated the clarity from this episode about the Trade Federation, because I think it can get kind of muddled, right? Because we just see like, oh, uh, in the prequel films in, in particular, like the Trade Federation, and they have these kind of droids and these kind of weapons, and they're clearly involved with the Separatists. Uh, Bad guys. But yeah. that was really great to get this uh, straightforward. The Trade, Federa- the Trade Federation claims to be neutral, but continues explicitly doing business with the Separatists, and Newt Gunray himself is a known Separatist leader. And they still try to lie. And they still try to lie. And I love, yeah, that Lot Dodd, that that's kind of the victory of Lot Dodd has to spin it of like, it's so sad that the tentacles of Newt Gunray are still showing up in our giant corporation. Yeah. What a, mm. what a tragedy that no one could have foreseen. Uh, you mentioned this one, uh, a kidnapping is a matter for local police, not the Jedi, says Anakin. And we kind of talked about it a little bit from as Anakin's perspective that the Jedi are, are higher meant for more but that was really interesting to me going back to uh ahsoka's arc in the final season of clone wars uh with the 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 sisters uh yeah yeah martez right the martez sisters um that at some point their their perception is that some point jedi helped out more on coruscant it's those are the people right there who need help there's a lot of poverty there's a lot of crime and it was interesting to hear this attitude that, like, it's not just the war that it's like, that's not our problem, you know? And just interesting to hear yeah. Anakin say that and know that Ahsoka is really going to come to see, like, oh, that's that uh, that's the wrong way to think, you know? When I see somebody mm-hmm. in front of me who needs help, I help them. That's my thing. Stop them. Yeah. That's great, Paul. Awesome. Um, how, how did you feel about seeing this device that uh, can scan blood and come up with a trace, with an uh, not necessarily a trace, but with an identity. It is the updated uh, Schick razor that uh, Qui-Gon had, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I love, and it would, and to me, again, a little bit of meta justice for George to have it. Look, all you need is a scan thing. The answer's in the blood. I got it. I got it. Um, I did the. I did like that. Uh, I kind of want to get one of those. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it was. Uh, you know, you're just kind of watching an episode, and I think sometimes Star Wars, with its on its tech side, you know, can be a little hand wavy. I know there there are people who you know memorize uh, what Star Wars has laid down with text and, and tech stuff and great manuals uh, about how specific things work. Uh, but for me, sometimes when I'm watching an episode, it can just be like, oh yeah, they have a device that works like that. Uh, but this one was like, oh, eh, maybe, maybe that has a connection to tracking fobs. Oh, there you this go. Kind of tech. Oh, was, uh, this, oh, whose yeah. blood is this? Oh, Greedo. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, couple more for me. Uh, I've always loved the design of the Nimodian guards who we, I believe have an action figure in the range of the Sith line, but then just, yeah. you, you kind of got to work to see them. It was great to see them mm-hmm. in their full glory. 
they're very sturdy cats, man. They're the, just the, everything about their gear. Because uh, you know the Nemodians, uh, you generally think of tall and slender. I, I would think based on a lot of the designs of animals. The hats. It's the hats. Yes, indeed. And and uh, these are these guys are they're not bulky. They're just they're they're they got a big presence to them. Uh, I've always yeah I've always kind of been curious about them. So to see them in action, so to speak, in this episode, great pull. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Awesome. A um, mm. couple more for me. Uh, it was nice to see Chance yeah. Cubes, and it was nice to see Embo. Ah, those actually those the last two things I wrote: Chance Cubes and Embo and Sugi. I believe is in the background too. According to I didn't see her, but the notes I saw said she's there. But Embo for sure. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um. So let's uh yeah. let's talk a little bit uh just a little bit of Greedo and just the. Yeah. Tatooine of it all, right? It's so much Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Um, not just being in Jabba's palace, but also being in the cantina. Uh, I know you were saying that you kind of like this picture of Greedo is just uh, this sad sack bounty hunter who can just really never make their bones, really never make uh, an impression. I kind of like that too because you know his tactics in A New Hope seem not great, <laughs> yeah. and that he it, it's you know forget morality of who shot first or shot at the same time. It's a pretty dumb way to try to uh, corner Han Solo uh, and then threaten him and tell him elaborately exactly why you were going to shoot him and when. It's never made Greedo seem like the sharpest bounty hunter in the bunch, right? Uh, so I kind of like that it is. This is making him seem like he is really trying to make an impression and he can't. He can. He constantly can. Again, there's there's a point where the sympathy does stop for me and, and, and Greedo a little bit of a lesson of, of, you know, you just keep making it bad. And, and, and again, your choices uh, kind of guide you forward. Uh, but yeah, there's something you said about, I love the bit yeah, Greedo, the bad tag to the, he's so it, it's, it's careless hubris. <laughs> uh, maybe all hubris is careless, but for Greedo, it's just like, he's just so I've got this win today and he keeps losing. So it's its own, it's, it's tragic comedy in a way. And just to see it here, it, it, look, I, um, the, the Phantom Menace deleted scene is is a little on the nose for me. I'm, I'm glad it maybe didn't make the final cut, but it kind of exists. It's kind of there and, and the kind of maybe canon adjacent, treated by canon. I think and, it's in the novelization. You've read it more recently than I have. Yeah, it no, it, it is. It is. So, yeah, it's there. And um, again, it's on, it's on the nose and it's fun, but but I, I like it. And and I like uh, I like uh, just the, this uh, dusty son of uh, Tatooine or again, Rodian son of Tatooine. Uh, um, it's just, it's just, uh, it's, it's sad, man. It's sad. Yeah. There's, he's so, when they, when they bring him into the bar and they're, you know, they're holding Greedo kind of hostage in a way to get their way. Um, and he's just got to look at his face. It's that eyes, you know, when you see how great his eyes are, uh, it's just, he's just, you know, he's so defeated. Yeah. You really get the impression that, you know, he was really trying to impress people with this job and now he's, you know, this, a blue politician has got the drop on him <laughs> yeah and he's afraid yeah. you know the uh, the cooler bounty hunters are gonna find out and just yeah there's a lot of shame in those big beautiful eyes of greedo <laughs> yeah dengar's gonna just make fun of me <laughs> how did you feel that so much of this episode was tatooine there is uh, you know a lot of discussion uh across generations now about spending too much time revisiting locations and in particular spending too much time revisiting Tatooine and in particular spending too much time revisiting these specific locations, which we've just now revisited both of them in the Mandalorian. I, I, I've always, I don't know what I, I I come somewhere in the middle. I get it. Uh, I get you want something new. 
I, you know, I get the joke of another sand planet in Star Wars, but I don't have a problem with that. And, and this, but I, I do, I think when it's, it's on a case by case basis, when it's handled right, uh, I, I think it's fun to go back there. And, 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 and I, it, with a, fun with a capital F, man, like it's okay to have that and it's okay to go fun and have some fun. And, and I, I do like, even though that fifth, fifth episode of season one of, of uh, Mando isn't my favorite, I, I, I don't have a problem with revisiting and seeing Tatooine years later, seeing how the streets are a little empty, seeing a droid run on the bar, seeing all that stuff. And I don't mind going back and checking in and seeing the, 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 these worlds that inspired us as kids, you know, because I used to go to the beach and pretend I was on Tatooine. So I don't mind going back. And it is kind of something that's central to Star Wars, Tatooine. Yeah, I think for me, it, it's, the idea that, yeah, this is a remote planet in terms of it is not a part of the Republic. But the Clone Wars, particularly starting with the movie, really established, no, Jabba's already in power and he is a mm-hmm. big uh, crime lord. Like, obviously, he was mm-hmm. already in power to be, you know, uh, lording over the Boon to Eve uh, and napping there um, in his box. But I think they established so strong that, Tatooine is known and relevant because of this extremely powerful crime lord in his location yeah. there. So revisiting Jabba's palace because Jabba himself is a player and that he's going to have uh, sad sack Rodians <laughs> trying yeah. to impress him and, and hiding out there uh, like Greedo. Uh, that makes sense to me. Um, and then for Chalmans, like, yeah, it's there's there's the revisiting it of it does have an element of meta because it is one of the great locations of Star Wars. It's you know, one of the locations that made Star Wars what it is, I think. Um, so mm-hmm. I th- understand the desire generation after generation to revisit it. But if characters are also already on Tatooine and in particular on Mos Eisley or a character like uh, Greedo, who's known to be like, this is my local. <laughs> this yeah. is where I go to drink and make bad decisions. Uh, it makes sense for me to to revisit in story, too. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's fun. That cantina. Uh, inspires a lot in us fans. That's why, you know, we got the Scum and Villainy bar here in LA that's um, generally designed to to try to capture that spirit. Uh, And when we go to Galaxy's Edge, even though it's a different location, different bar, we still want to capture that spirit. Uh, You and I have done the bar crawl in Star Wars on on an episode here. Uh, Bars in Star Wars have a key place, Uh, not because of the drinking, but because you and I have always talked. It is that community. Uh, good and bad, and and I love exploring it in Star Wars, and that's the number one location. Yeah, that's where things happen. Uh, so to, to bring us home here on our canon discussion, uh, who do you think for you is the worst bounty hunter in terms of just skill at the profession? Is it Greedo or is it uh, Toro Calican? Oh, Toro definitely <laughs> will get my vote, but probably for different reasons. Um, the th- Greedo gets a lot of chances. That's the thing. So maybe he's done something right somewhere. Um, if he's a little more charismatic, he'd be the the star of a, a of a sh- his own show. You know, he, he rooting for Gr- Greedo to get a win. Um, but yeah, I mean Toro. Yeah, God bless him. Yeah, look, uh, uh, Greedo survived a lot longer, and he's got better eyes. So I got to give my vote to uh, to Greedo. Uh, All right, let's move on then. Was there anything that you disliked or questioned in this episode? No, I think if if, if you are okay with some of the meta-ness of this episode of watching George in blue face uh, run around (laughs) in in his uh, cameo robe, I 
I think you're going to be okay with this episode. And, and um, I don't think I ever w- have, haven't been on board for this episode. Sometimes I can look at my past and be like, was I too uh, cynical or angry as a Star Wars fan for these kind of quote silly things? And nah, I kind of always enjoyed them. So I, I'm there for it. But I know some people listening, maybe this isn't the episode for them. And I understand. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, I enjoy how with the, the episode for me holds together in terms of its uh, its big themes, its big ideas. It's got fun moments. Uh, it, it looks great, all those things. Uh, and I think I just appreciate, I definitely questioned as I was watching, is this too bonkers? But I think I ultimately appreciate that, you know, you could have a conversation with a fan of the original trilogy and go, did you know there's an episode of, uh, of Clone Wars where George Lucas's cameo from Revenge of the Sith is the main character? Uh, and then there's also an episode where you go to Jabba's Palace and the cantina and then uh, Greedo's the main bad guy. And then did you know they're all the same episode? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that somebody would go, what? How does that work? Uh, but I think it does. It does. Yeah. I think it does. And uh, I wrote down this thing that I questioned, and th- then I watched the behind the scenes with Filoni. I had written down that I would have loved to see Chalman's uh, maybe hopping a bit more, a few more people in there, and I would have loved yeah. to see a young Wu hair. Uh, so then I watched the behind the scenes where Filoni talks about uh, the challenges of making it, the cantina look really full uh-huh. and that they liked the idea that it was owned by different people. Yeah, and this may be uh, the impetus to sell. <laughs> it was kind of funny. <laughs> it's a funny joke, and clearly uh, sticking with that idea of it doesn't stay in anybody's hands too long. Yeah, and uh, Chalman's a Wookiee, right? Am I- uh, that is, yes, that's my recollection of the the legends. Yeah. I don't have, I don't know yeah, if that's true. been uh, refreshed refreshed in modern canon. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. Yeah, no, I like that little note. Yeah, yeah, and who knows? Maybe maybe Chalman's the landlord. Maybe he owns the building. Yeah, <laughs> different people buy the business of the cantina. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? We'll get a full episode about that, I'm sure, in Mandalorian season three. Uh, but I, I, I will stick with my uh, something I disliked your question. I would have loved to see animated younger Wu hair. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, he, he could work there, work his way up. The boss changes, he sticks around. That happens. I've been through a company switch but stayed at the same spot yeah absolutely he should have been yeah the the uh the kid the the fresh-faced waiter yes (laughs) just starting out (laughs) with so much to look forward to you know and he he could have repeated his line no blasters come on classic yes all right anything that we have not uh talked about that you wanted to touch on I just have one question. I'm happy to hear your answer are the Nemodians the most most loathed species in the galaxy (laughs) I think they must be, right? I mean, nobody likes them, right? I mean, in there this is like one of those those fun Star Wars things where like uh, I would almost like what Mandalorian has been doing for for some ideas in Star Wars of like, eh, let's look at it from a different uh viewpoint. Yeah. I would love to meet a Nemodian uh bounty hunter or kind of fun rogue or charming drunk yeah. or a Nemodian who is in uh, rebellion. You know, because the Nemodians we've seen, we've got some of those guards look look pretty stand up, but the rest yeah. of the Nemodians we've met are just kind of uh, a greedy and duplicitous, yeah. right? Yeah, like I'm sure. I, yeah, the 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 people of Cato Nemodia, like uh, rise up, stand up. <laughs> you know, I love. Yeah, I had that thought too of some sort of uh, little redemption song is coming down the line. I I, I told the Trade Federation. Uh, itself, I can I can get behind them being uh, everything you described and, and the villains of a lot of the stories. Yeah, uh, but I was just thinking of that in this episode of just like, man, damn, they don't ever get a ray of sunshine over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
for me, just a couple of uh, quick things. I, I really like the weird Pantoran ship. Uh, like this steel gray with the gold highlights and just really absolutely no way it should be able to stand up when it lands. Just right. it has just a big, two big middle fingers to physics from that ship, which I really like seeing <laughs> in Star Wars. Um, I also just like the uh, behind-the-scenes detail that uh, Corey Burton, who voiced Papanoida, uh, was doing a little bit of an Orson Welles impression, which is, mm. that's, a, that's a hell of a thing, because, you know, Orson Welles, great mm. uh, actor, uh, you know, amazing voice, but also famously tortured director who had endless mm. battles with, uh, with studios, uh, <laughs> ruining yeah. his films. That's a very interesting choice uh, for George Lucas. Yeah. Well, and also because you could have easily done like I love a good Lorne Michaels impression. I get it. But like anyone who worked with him that also then turns him into a villain, you know, it doesn't always work for me. I love Mark McKinney's version and Brain Candy, perhaps the best. But you could have done a George, right? right? You could have done a George impersonation. And I'm glad they went this way and, and, and very thoughtful decision from Corey Burton. Yeah, the, the regal uh, strong voice was really, really good. Uh, last thing for me is I do kind of love that uh, his son, uh, Papanoia's son, voiced by Seth Green, is that his name is Ion. <laughs> Ion, yeah. It's not Ian. It's just, it's Ion. It's just straight up, Ion. you know, like the canon, my son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And it does, it look, the, the, the design, obviously, very much jet. Uh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So uh, if you could have, Ken, a character or an action figure or any sort of toy of any character from this episode, who would you want? And I mentioned earlier I'd take the little uh, Pepnoida blood uh, decoder there. But uh, in all seriousness, and I, we, we do have George figures in Star Wars and the family Lucas figures in Star Wars. But I would love uh, just a good old six-inch Chairman Baron Pepinoida. Just all detail, regal, double blasters. Let's do Absolutely. It. That's the one I thought of, too, I think partially because, the, you know, that uh, six-inch Black Series Jar Jar Banks with all of his weapons is a sort of like, you know, <laughs> this uh, yeah. triumph of Jar Jar. You almost want that for, like, not the Papanoida from the film, the Papanoida from the Clone Wars yeah. with the double blasters. Totally, yeah. Totally. The other one that I would love is Greedo with his different jacket. I like that Greedo has his uh, 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 much more... Uh, calm not as colorful jacket that would be a cool uh three and three quarter action yeah. figure for me greedo with that. different jacket mm. all right uh next up is going to be really fun really different i think for us to to talk about ken because it is a trilogy of episodes uh that deals with uh the escape and the fate of zero the hut uh, but we really got to bounce around uh, to to have this make sense in chronological order. This is one of the arcs that truly, truly deeply confused me the first time I watched through it. Right. Uh, we're going to be watching season three, episode eight, Evil Plans. Then season one, episode 22, Hostage Crisis. Then season three, episode nine, Hunt for Zero. And each of these episodes uh, I really like and have some really interesting individual stories to talk about, but I'm also really interested to watch them all together and see the, uh, the what the whole story of the tragedy of Zero the Hut is. Uh, I'm excited to do this. I have never watched these three episodes in that order. I've never watched it. Um, and, and doing some research for my book on, uh, on uh, K, uh, Cad Bane, I did kind of 
watch a lot of the CAD stuff maybe in order, but I've never sat down and watched these three back to back. I'm excited to do this. Yeah, there's some great stuff in these episodes, and I'm so curious to see uh, how it all uh, hangs together uh, when telling the story of Zero. So that is what you should be watching if you want to be all caught up with us for our next episode. But for now, Ken, what should the moral of this episode of our podcast be? It's pretty simple. Uh, When recording your podcast in a bar, bring both of your blasters. (laughs) Always. Do you have anything to plug? Wait, i got to draw my blasters. Uh, (laughs) Excellent, excellent moral. Do you want to tell people where they can find us? I would love to. We are the Four Center Podcast, and we can be found on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Check out an interview just did with Jamie Standgroom. It was a Spotlight Star Wars interview, but we also put it up on YouTube with our faces. And I know a lot of you love seeing our faces. And you can see me and Jamie on there. Uh, check out Jamie's stuff on Lightspeed tonight. A lot of fun stuff there. Um, but you can also like us on Facebook at Four Center Podcast. If you want an audio book on us, go to audibletrial.com slash Four Center. Get some merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center. And uh, don't forget to... Uh, uh, check out us on a lot of different formats, including Amazon Music or Spotify, if uh, you're looking for that. And uh, then uh, you can support us directly. Two spots, actually. You can go to Anchor, and uh, they do allow you to support the podcast directly there. We appreciate that. Or you can go uh, to patreon.com slash center. We appreciate uh, what you uh, do uh, there to make a lot of our dreams come true, including the great theme music we often uh, bring in uh, Tony Thaxton for. I think we're all, I think all the shows are covered by Tony now, maybe. We'll have to see where we need. Uh, and then uh, you can follow me at Ken Napsack or go to KenNapsack.com. Joseph? Excellent. Yeah, all great stuff. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com for all my other comedy adventures. And if you've got HBO Max and you're looking for something to check out, you can watch uh, both seasons of the Adult Swim show that I'm a writer for. It's a weird... Uh, adult comedy uh, fantasy show called uh, Tig Tone, so check that out if you're interested. Uh, but for now, for myself, for Ken, for Chairman Baron Papanoida, and both of his blasters, this has been the Clone Wars Report. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.